welcome. You're listening to The Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM. I'm your host, Darren Kaster, and we have an action-packed show for you today. Despite the fact that it is the sound of your city, CIUT Spring Membership Drive, that does not mean we don't have a whole bunch of awesome guests, but... The very first thing I should do, of course, is uh, let people know how they can call in and become a member of CIUT during our spring uh, membership drive. They can, you can do that. You can become a member of CIUT. Uh, you literally be a card-carrying member. You get uh, uh, voting rights at CIUT. You're actually a member. Uh, it's not just an honorary system. And as of this year, we have an exciting program uh, where the membership actually gets you a wide range of discounts at local businesses. So uh, really emphasizing the community here, not just sort of in spirit, but quite literally building a community here in uh, Toronto and the surrounding region. Uh, if you uh, are interested, you can call right now, 416-946-7800. You can do that toll-free at one 204 or go online and use your card or debit or PayPal or anything you'd like at ciut.fm. Without further ado, I have uh, two planned guests today. The first one is uh, Anthony Upward, who's a certified managed consultant, as well as the co-founder, uh, as partner with the strategic Innovation Lab and co-founder of the lab Strongly Sustainable Business Model Group, who has been the lead in developing the Flourishing Business Toolkit. We're going to talk to Anthony Upward in just one moment. Later in the show, after the break, we're going to be also talking to Andrew Gage, who's the staff counsel and uh, environmental uh, the Climate Change and Environmental Legal Aid Program Coordinator for West Coast Environmental Law. We're going to be talking to Andrew about his article specifically, Does RCMP Anti-Environmentalist Rhetoric Make Us Safer? Without further ado, however, I do have a surprise guest to start the show, which is that the original show host, Jordan Popbank, has come into the uh, CIUT today to support this spring membership drive. Thank you so much for coming into the program today, Jordan. Thanks, Darren. Pleasure to be here. And uh, I asked you to come in because uh, you'd, you'd let me know that you're, uh, you're here to uh, support us today. Uh, we're super happy to have you, and I would like to give you an opportunity to let the listeners uh, out there know why, you know, you've been off the show for years. You very easily could have, you know, just enjoyed your weekend here. Why have you taken the time to come down and support uh, CIUT today? Yeah, Darren, uh, as you know, this is a really important time for CIUT. Uh, we rely on our members um, twice a year and uh and i feel that it's important to communicate a few things about uh why uh ciut has made shows like the green majority possible um and i wanted to start by just reflecting that um you know when this show uh began in 2006 it was a very different kind of news and political and social climate for environmental issues than it is today. Uh, that um, it was a time when uh, the environment was very much in vogue, that uh, every uh, grocery store was suddenly selling um, tote bags and would give you 10 cents off of your uh, purchase if you happened to bring it with you on your next visit. Or that was just starting to, to roll in. Um, greenwashing was starting to become a thing and, uh, uh, and it was remarkable that the number one voting issue on people's minds in public polls was the environment. And even at that time, we were not getting the depth of conversation in news media that would, um, really help us drive forward, um, 
thoughtful, progressive environmental choices uh, at that time. And so we set out to try and uh, establish an educational program that talked about what are the important issues at play in Canada and what are some of Canada's top environmental thinkers um, uh, saying about all of this. And so getting that out into the open to, to enrich this uh, ethos of um, uh, environmental interests. Um, so at that time, the show was uh, was contributing something that CIUT stood behind and was a unique venue to make possible, and we were grateful at that time for the support that we we got. Um, however, uh, you know this has been running for a long time now. Uh, you, Darren, have been driving the show for now many years. Like to think that you know two thousand and six to today is is closing in on a decade. <laughs> and over that period, uh, it has weathered a complete sea change in the social and political climate for environmental issues. And I think that uh, environmentalism and environmentalists are very much maligned by the prevailing political forces. There's a lot of money at stake. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of the... Um, interest that did exist in uh, public media uh, back in the earlier days uh, has simply vanished. You know, we will see a few events reported, um, like the oil spill in Vancouver just recently, but um, the depth of reporting has gone. I, in fact, it's amazing to think now that uh, the Globe and Mail at some point, maybe it was around 2008, um, announced it, it was a laggard in this, but it announced that it was going to include a green section like a whole portion of the newspaper dedicated to green issues. And you just can't fathom that today, right? Uh, I mean, environmentalists are like practically terrorists, if you ask the right people. Um, and so, um, you know, that continuity, the fact that we have an environmental resource that is adding this depth, that is uh, maintaining an intelligent uh, base of information for people to turn to, is a... a amazing thing and it is only possible for that to happen on a station like CIUT uh, which is community driven and free from these sort of broader political and money forces um, but the only way that equation makes sense the only way that pulls together is if it is supported by people in the community and that is why uh, we're calling for donations today, and that's why I'm here to ask uh, you, the listener, uh, to take this opportunity to please support uh, the Green Majority and the wonderful things that CIUT is making possible. So uh, the number is 888-204-8976. If you're in Toronto, it's 416-946-7800. Uh, take this opportunity to become a member of the Green Majority and uh, and CIUT and support this uh, really important endeavor. All right. Well, thank you so much for for taking the time to come down and support us uh, here live on the air. Uh, Jordan Popink, again, the original uh, show founder, who's uh, who's come back in to support us today. Uh, if I if I ha if I was pressed, and I am, to uh, summarize that quickly in in my own words, I would say that you know when I started here as a as a, a lowly news reader on on under your direction of of the program back in two thousand and seven, um, the show seemed like a nice to have. As you said, it was very popular to be environment things. So it was kind of oh here's a nice thing that I can do that that 
people are talking about this, people are interested, so I'm going to contribute to this conversation. Uh, in 2015, uh, the way I would put it was that it's, it's gone from a nice-to-have to a need-to-have. There's These conversations are simply not taking place elsewhere, and that is the the, the very good reason. I mean, uh, you can you can call in and, and support CIUT because it's something in your community that represents your community and helps represent your values, but I think the number one reason to call in today, right now, during this show, is to call in and support actual, honest factual-based discussion about environmental issues because it simply does not exist elsewhere. And we don't have time, in my opinion, to muck about. We have to take action, and that requires knowing what the facts are. And so thank you again for taking the time to come down and join us today, Jordan. Thank you. So I'm going to uh, just move along here uh, quickly. Uh, thank you again, Jordan, f- uh, for his time. Uh, we want to get to make sure we get some time to talk to uh, Anthony Upward as well about the flourishing business canvas. But I first want to just let people know that we're at about 22500 as far as the uh, fundraising drive goes. We've been doing great. The previous shows have been uh, performing very, very well. We need you to call in right now and support the Green Majority. Our, the show goal for the end of the hour is 23200 That means we're looking to get uh, about $700 during the show. So the, the membership uh, model right now is that the memberships are $89.50. That makes you a member of CIUT, a literal a literal card-carrying member of CIUT. It gives you voting rights uh, at the CIUT board to make uh, decisions about the direction of the station. Actually makes you a functional member of the station. As well, it will also, if you needed a little icing on that cake, uh, as of this year, brand new program, it will actually get you a wide variety of discounts at local businesses. So uh, all about the community support, environmental support and being a part of the community. So call now 416-946-7800. Again, that's 946-7800 or one 204 Or you can just go on your computer. You can even do it from your phone, CIUT.FM. You can also donate smaller quantities of money. Than that is true. Yes. <laughs> so to be a member, it's yeah, 89.50. Yeah. But if you, if you uh, would just like to chip in a couple bucks, thank you, uh, uh, Kevin, for reminding me as well. Uh, if you just have something you can donate, that is absolutely exceptional. Everything is appreciated. Thank you, Kevin, for emphasizing that. Uh, but the membership uh, is, uh, is what we're looking for. If you uh, can't do that and you'd like to do less, everything is appreciated. Thank you very much. You can call in now or go to CIUT.FM. Uh, we're going to have a quick introduction word with Anthony Upward here, who's uh, sitting beside me in the studio. Well, then go to a music break and we'll come back and, and talk a little bit more. Uh, but first of all, welcome to the Green Majority, Anthony. Thank you very much, Darren. It's great to be here and uh, help with the fundraising today. Uh, so we're going to be, uh, I, I would like you to just sort of start by sort of laying it out for people, the concept here, not necessarily getting into the nitty gritty, but just explain what is a flourishing business canvas. Maybe even start with what's a business canvas and then we'll talk about why yours is flourishing. Absolutely. So um, there's been lots of discussion at the very big picture level about how do we plan to create better outcomes for things. And in the business world, the way that uh, we've been talking about this for about five, maybe six years now, is the idea that we can actually design businesses to create outcomes that we want. And in the sort of mainstream business school world, the idea has come down that, well, maybe we should be designing our businesses to be profitable. And uh, about... uh, 15, uh, about 12 years ago now, uh, some guys in, in uh, Switzerland actually did a PhD uh, uh, which defined what are the things you have to think about when you're designing a business in order to ensure that it's profitable. So questions like who are your customers and what are you going to do that they'll pay you for? So um, from that uh, – there was a crowdfunded book that got published in 2009, and that's gone on to sell a million copies. Uh, that 
business model canvas, which is what's described in the book, is now used in practically every MBA program around the world. It's used in practically all the entrepreneurship programs around the world. Uh, for example, if you go to uh, the Entrepreneurship 101 program at Mars, that's the tool they're going to teach you how to use to design your profitable business. And uh, having been a management consultant for quite a long time, um, I got to be a little bit concerned when I saw this and, and thinking, well, hang on a second, there's really nothing in here about other things that maybe some business people want to create in terms of outcomes other than just profitability. Like, for example, uh, maybe we want to be concerned about generating social benefits or maybe we want to be concerned about the environmental impact of our businesses in the process of generating profit. And so I went back to school. I went up to the Environmental Studies Program at York and the Schulich School of Business and went back to that PhD all the way back in 2000. 2004, that PhD was done, and said, okay, so what's missing from this? What do we need to add? What do we need to change in order to be able to describe businesses that are what I call tri-profitable? So that means they're financially viable because financial bankruptcy laws are not going to go away. Uh, but also, how does that business simultaneously generate social benefit? And how does it regenerate the environment? So this isn't an or proposition. This is doing good to do well, not doing good and doing well. The, uh, the basic concept there, of course, is that um, it, it sort of relies on the fact that, that businesses are waking up and are looking for opportunities to do this. Uh, so it's a roadmap. Um, can you just comment quickly? We'll come back and we'll dig into more of this uh, after mm. the, the music break, and we'll go to that music break in just a moment. Uh, but just before we go to the music break, can you, t can you talk to me about your assessment of the appetite for this information? So we'll, we'll come back and after the break and talk a little bit more about what that process looks like. But how have you been, uh, how's been the reception to interest in actually looking for this type of help? So it's, uh, it's, it's interesting that the idea of uh, designing businesses to create the outcomes you want is a fairly new idea still. So even in the mainstream business world, although this book, uh, Business Model Generation, has been extremely popular selling a million copies, in the grand scheme of things, it's only sold a million copies. Um, so, but it is gaining uh, a lot of respect. So we're finding that people are stopping thinking about strategy and planning the way the business is going to work because the world's too complicated for that. Now you need to design it and react to what's actually going on. So we're finding that that's getting that the basic idea of designing businesses is becoming more and more popular. And so we're getting a good reaction from that perspective. Um, we're also getting a good reaction from lots of people who have been working at the sort of macro public policy level and in environmental movements and in social movements and who know that their own organizations and organizations that they need to change in order for their um, policy objectives to be realized, um, they're realizing that they don't have the tools to help those organizations. And so we're getting a lot of interest from those people. And then finally, we're starting to get interest from entrepreneurs, uh, you know, people who would self-describe as social entrepreneurs. Uh, we're getting a lot of interest from, from those communities. Um, just uh, got sponsorship for our latest set of events from Alterna Savings. So we're starting to engage with uh, some of the leading edge thinkers in, in perhaps more the mainstream community as well. Uh, so it's, it's going well. It's going well. All right. Well, we'll be back for a little bit more with Anthony Upward after our music break. And then after the second music break, remember as well, we also have Andrew Gage, who's uh, the Climate Change and Environmental Legal Aid uh, Program uh, Consultant with the West Coast Environmental Law. We'll be talking to him a little bit about, uh, as Jordan was sort of previewing there, uh, unintentionally perhaps, uh, the, the concept of more and more uh, environmentalists being tagged as uh, extremists almost by definition. All that and more when we come back from the music break. But this is your opportunity if you like this sort of conversation 
information you're hearing here. If you want to hear more about Bill C-150, if you want to hear more about environmental politics, if you want to hear more from local leading experts in all sorts of uh, business uh, and sustainability and actual scientists and news and politics, interviews with politicians, you have to be a supporter of community radio. We can do it with your help. So call right now, 416-946-7800. You can call toll-free at one 204 Eight nine seven six. You can go online to ciut.fm. Eighty nine fifty gets you a membership at CIUT, but every amount is welcome. Thank you very much for your support in advance. We'll see you in about one minute. You're listening to the Green Majority. This is Darren Kaster, host of the Green Majority. Green Majority is now so much more than just a radio show. You can learn more about what we're doing and find out how to support us at GreenMajority.ca. What is holding you back? Shadows all around me, this darkness finds me, heavy all about. 
to the Green Majority here on CIUT. The new Sound of Your City Spring Membership Drive is on now. Hopefully several people took the opportunity to call in. If you didn't, I'll let you uh, have the opportunity now. You can call 416-946-7800. Right now, call in Pledge Your Support to become a CIUT member. You can do that for $89.50. Of course, a little pun on $89.50 there. That is making you a proper, full, literal card-carrying member of CIUT. Gets you uh, access to voting rights within CIUT and gets you a whole bunch of community benefits as well. It's an awesome deal. If that's out of your price range, don't worry about it. Absolutely everything helps. You can uh, call in or uh, go online to ciut.fm, pledge any amount you can. Everything and every anything and everything is very much appreciated. Uh, I would like to go and reintroduce and come back to Anthony Upward, who's uh, here to join us to talk about the Flourishing Business Canvas. Anthony, you gave us a little bit of a preview before we went to the break. Now, what I'd like you to do now is just give us a general sort of 10,000 feet walkthrough. What are you actually doing? Give people a, a tangible example here of, of what is your program doing that is, that is different than someone who just starts a business. So the challenge business people face, whether you're starting a new business or you're developing uh, uh, your existing business, is what do I need to think about to be successful? Um, and first of all, you've got to think about what do you mean by success for your business? And in obviously profitability or financial viability is important, but you've got to think about what's the impact that I'm going to be having socially and environmentally as well. So what our tool does that's different from everybody else's is, is it looks at all three at the same time. So it asks you not simply who are your customers that are going to pay you, but it asks you to think about who are all of your stakeholders. Why do your employees want to work for you? Why do suppliers want to supply you? Why does the community in which you're based want to have you there? Um, And it asks you to think about that financially, socially, and environmentally. It asks you... What are the needs of all of those people? Fundamental needs. Think Maslow hi- Maslow's hierarchy. You know, what are you going to do to help those people ha- flourish? Um, and then on the uh, resource side of things and on the how you do things, you've got to think about how and where are you going to do stuff? Where are you going to get everything you need? Is it going to come out of the ground? Is it an intellectual property that people have? Is it knowledge and skills that people have? So it's giving you a chance to think about the full life cycle, cradle-to-cradle thinking on the on the process side of things. And then you've got to think about how you're going to measure whether or not you've achieved the goals that you set for yourself. So it asks you to think about costs and benefits, but not just in financial terms. You know, if you're going to reduce the amount of CO2 that is generated by your business, maybe you should be measuring kilograms of CO2. Maybe we don't have to turn everything into money. If you're trying to generate happiness in your community as an outcome maybe you want happy employees maybe you want happy customers then there are ways of measuring happiness these days well maybe that should be a measure of social revenue for example so let me just stop you right Mm. there quickly because this this is uh that's something about which i'm very very interested because at first blush you say well maybe a company wants to measure happiness i think maybe i'm a cynic but i think eight out of ten people at least just smiled and went oh come on (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but but really, flush that out a little bit for me. Why? What? Uh, other than just someone who's just just you know this the exception to the rule, super good person. Uh, why would a company want to do that? So so uh, there's a whole spectrum of possibilities here, and and uh, if I just put my MBA business school hat in my head, um, we know that happy employees. Uh, create better interactions with customers. So you get happy customers, which means the customers are going to come back, which means they're going to pay you more. So on a purely commercial basis, happiness is a very good thing to have. Forgetting any higher level moral uh, dimension to, you know, maybe it's the right thing to do, uh, irrespective of the fact that it'll help you create more money. 
Mm. Perhaps an an inverse example would be that, you know, maybe the oil industry wouldn't be having such a, you know, might, although we still need to get off oil, they might uh, be, have been more successful right now tricking people into the fact that we shouldn't be getting off oil if they didn't have such bad, such a lack, almost negative social license, where they're decried, they're, they're defended weekly as a necessity at best. Uh, it tends to be, and it go- only goes downhill from there. So that's an example of the opposite effect. Uh, absolutely. And of course, when you engage people and, and you say to them, well, we'd like to help you be the best that you can be, um, flourishing is the term that we, we use for that, um, people tend to react by going, wow, you, you're really looking out for me. I, I want to help you. And so maybe you get people engaging with you. So it doesn't matter what type of business you're in. Um, if you get different types of people engaging with you, you're going to have more possibilities for innovation, which, of course, is the lifeblood for organizational survival, uh, whether it's profit, whether it's social benefit or whether it's environmental regeneration. You need other people's ideas. So your team offers a full uh, workshop explaining walking people through this process about how to not just to be a, a actual sustainable uh, business, uh, but how this will you know be increase your revenue options and all sorts of other things. Um, so do you want to just take this opportunity to let people know? I think you have some dates coming up. If you mm-hmm. want to just do a plug for that, you can uh, tell them your website, all that stuff. If people are interested and would like to learn more. Absolutely. So maybe I should just spend a second just talking about what a heck of canvas is. So imagine a, a big wall chart that you have a group of people working around um, with a bunch of questions on it that are arranged in a visually attractive way. And the idea is to help people have better conversations um, by collaborating with each other around these questions. So in the original profit-orientated business model canvas, uh, there's nine questions. Uh, We've still got all of those because we still have all the financial stuff, but we've added uh, seven more. So we have 16 in total now, which includes all three aspects. So in the workshops, what we're doing is we're uh, walking through some examples of businesses that are already demonstrating uh, that they are attempting to create the possibility for flourishing for human and other life. Um, So these are companies that are demonstrating this by being certified benefit corporations. Perhaps this is a topic for uh, you've covered on a a show before. Um, And uh, what we're trying to do in these workshops is give people a real hands-on example of businesses that are certified benefit corporations exploring their business models. How did they become a benefit corporation? How did their business model enable that through the use of the Flourishing Business Canvas? So we have two uh, workshops coming up. We have a a shorter one on Monday night at CSI Annex here in Toronto. uh, And we have two longer ones, uh, April 23rd and April 27th, where... For the the non-initiated, because we're all all CSI people. That's true. It's the Centre for Social Social Innovation. Innovation. Thank you very much. I I apologise. The Centre for Social Innovation, the wonderful Centre for Social Innovation here in Toronto. Uh, So we have uh, one event uh, on Monday night at uh, Centre for Social Innovation at the Annex, and then we have two further events, uh, April 23rd and 27th, so it's a longer, deeper dive uh, into a different example uh, at uh, CSI Spadina and then CSI Annex again uh, on the 27th. And uh, this is all part of a project. So this this work is actually a project that's been hosted by the Ontario College of Art and Design University's Strategic Innovation Lab. So as you mentioned in my introduction, uh, there's a group there called the Strongly Sustainable Business Model Group. We've got nearly 400 people in that group globally and we have a number of projects within that group one of which is this and then the other one is the one that bob willard talked about a few weeks ago that's another project uh, that this group is undertaking so uh, very uh, international effort we've we've got going on here and uh, you know you can support uh, this project and obviously the the, sh- the this show and the radio station by uh, calling in and uh, donating uh, 89 dollars and 50 cents to become a member and 416-946-7800 is the phone number to call 
all to uh, support all this great work that Green Majority is doing and CIUT is doing. So yeah, one of the one of the functions that we serve here is just letting people know about great things that are going on that can help plug them into the uh, into the system. Uh, I want to thank you very much for for your time today, uh, Anthony Upward, uh, Anthony Upward, uh, with the Flourishing Business Canvas. Uh, you can learn more information at the website, which is www.flourishingbusiness.org. Thank you very much uh, again for your time. Uh, we're going to uh, take a br- uh, one more brief opportunity to give people a chance to uh, to call in in a moment. Uh, then we have a couple of news items I want to uh, f- uh, go through very, very quickly that have been uh, requested by the audience, if you will. I've been getting a lot of contact recently, so thank you very much to our audience. Uh, you've been very re- responsive recently. I've been getting a lot of contact and a lot of emails uh, as well. Uh, also, we're going to give Aaron a chance to let us know what music we were listening to right before we go to the next break in just a moment. Uh, but uh, again, you can uh, call in to CIUT now. We're doing the sound of your city uh this the new sound of your city uh membership drive here it's the spring fundraiser we're looking for people to sign up and be ciut members the membership gets you voting rights at ciut you are literally a card carrying member it also will uh give you a wide variety of uh, discounts at local businesses if you happen to be in the toronto area not a deal to be missed we would like you to call and sign up and show your support for the green majority here at ciut that's 416-946-7800 one triple eight two zero four eight nine seven six, or you can go online ciut.fm. And hey, if you don't, uh, or if you're, it's not uh, doable for you to be a, an actual member today, uh, any amount helps. Five dollars, ten dollars, anything you have would be very much appreciated and help us get us towards our end of show show goal, which is twenty three thousand two hundred dollars. Not for just this show, but as far as the as far as the cap. So uh, if you can, please do take a moment to do that. Um, but uh, without any further uh, ado, one of the uh, interviews we're going to be doing in a moment is Andrew uh, Gage. He'll be coming up right after the break. Uh, but one of the things that uh, we were contacted and asked to comment on, I, I'm now uh, joined as well by uh, Stefan uh, Hustetter and Kevin Farmer, who are in the studio, uh, was that uh, several people said, make sure you mention what's going on, the oil spill uh, in uh, Van- uh, Vancouver just off Vancouver Island, if I'm not mistaken, I've I've only had a chance to to briefly look at the the news items today. English <coughs> English Bay. English Bay. Thank you very much. And uh, so one of the um, one of the aspects around that that I've been seeing, of course, was that. Um, a lot of conversation about what the oil is and what I've noticed with this most recent one of course was that uh, all of my environmental group friends were you know immediately tweeting and, and resharing um, I'm starting to notice now and I don't know if it's just me and my network or if it's it's happening more prone now but the coordinated response of people jumping to the defense of the oil industry was almost like almost had like a shockwave to it um, do you did you uh, in either of you notice any sort of different tone around this? Have you noticed sort of an an increase in counterattack against people just saying, "Hey, look, here's a disaster that we could have avoided uh, at all"? Is this is this on your radar, or is it just me? Uh, <clears throat> uh, it's it's always funny when I think when I, whenever you have one of these uh, these sort of organi- things that are happening where you get one or two of these. Uh, any sort of small oil spill, big oil spill, this almost doesn't matter. Uh, it's the same exact uh, reaction that you get, uh, which is you know some you have the stock responses to each each side. Everyone has their stock responses, and it's almost as if that's the the, the theater that gets played out, and then we continue on as if nothing else has happened. Uh, you know, in two weeks we'll have another oil spill, and we'll have the exact same conversation, uh, and then we'll move on again. Um, what's uh, What's interesting is whether or not um, – how's that going? There we go. Aha. All right. Uh, uh, what, what, what ends up being really is um, 
it's like at some point the, the question has to come down to what are we actually doing for the next one? Because it's not a question of if it's going to happen, it's when it's going to happen. And the question really becomes if it's happening, what are we doing about it? Because uh, if, you, if, if you're not answering – like either you have to decide that okay, we're moving off oil, uh, which obviously would be ideal, uh, or you have to actually come up with some real plan to, to not prevent it but like – does like response to some extent because we're not going to prevent them. There's just too many. This is happening all the time, happening all over the place. Especially, I would love about this one is it's sort of, uh, you know, if I haven't heard a. It's interesting. There's been a sort of a lull in the talk of the Northern Gateway Pipeline, but that's the one that's that really ends up with the massive concern about oil spills off the off the off the West Coast. Uh, but that one's it, it's that as far as all the problems Energy East and Keystone is having, Northern Gateway is even is even more dead in the water to some extent. Yeah. Uh, knock on wood. Uh, so it's this, it's this, it's interesting thing. That no matter what you, it, it's it's all it's like a, it's a script. You, you, if you told me that a, you tell me a place that an oil spill will happen next week, I will tell you the exact responses each organization will have and how we'll talk about it, yeah. and then we'll move on. The uh, 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 I'll, I'll uh, prompt uh, Kevin for a comment on this one. Part of the reason that I'd that I'd been uh, drawn to this attention of this, first of all, that uh, basically everybody was uh, you know talking about this this morning and last night and asked us to mention it. Uh, I will link to some articles if you haven't heard about it. it there will be some articles linked uh, on the show post today. Um, but a uh, somebody on Twitter, uh, Kevin. Uh, um, sent me something and uh, said, you know, aren't you upset? And they tagged the agenda as well, uh, saying, aren't you upset that they had this uh, this Fraser Institute person on? I said, okay, well, you know, I, I'm highly suspicious. My response in my head was, yes, I'm highly suspect of the Fraser Institute's motives and a lot of their information. Um, but I, you know, I, I think A, the fact that we're talking about it and B, that they didn't have him on alone. There was two people there to sort of counter his points. I think that's a fair discussion. I think, it, you know, my immediate reaction was, I think it would be unfair at this stage in our political dialogue uh, to expect the CBC to give only one sided our perspective, even if I think that all the facts are on our side. I then scrolled down the page and found out what he was actually referring to, which was not that four way panel, but was a special on his own video with Alec Epstein, who I will simply read the, the description for it. And the reason that I wanted to call this out was uh, what I was sort of alluding to there was that I've noticed an even more shrill and shrill and shrill tone from the people who are trying to counter the narrative of we need to get off oil and that this is based on hard science of just being more and more insane in their no, we don't response. So I, I just want to read this and then we'll, we'll get a brief response from Kevin and, uh, and then go to our, our second music break here. So the, the description for this person's book was being forced to rely on alternative energy would be a horror that would plunge us back into a pre-industrial world and our civilization that runs on cheap, plentiful, reliable energy would see its machines dead, its productivity destroyed, its resources disappearing, argues Alex Epstein in his book, The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels. He got a standalone uh, piece on the uh, on the CBC, which this turned out to be what the person was actually talking about, which I'm equally really upset about. But I, I wanted to more just to get a quick comment from you, Kevin, about d does this is this like a sign we're winning that the the counter response seems to be getting more and more just absolutely vacuous of facts and, and insane seeming. Oh God, there's too much crazy to unpack there. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, I, I do. I, I do. I do get the sense, yes, that that some of the counter arguments are becoming more bordering more on lunacy. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know how to go into that one. Um, I, I personally, just overall, I don't think we're winning. <laughs> uh, as as for the you know the oil spill uh, off the coast of Vancouver, frankly, I don't know what everyone's getting so upset about. Uh, I think I think really it's it's only you know a few thousand liters of incredibly toxic material. Uh, the fact that uh, 
the city of Vancouver was alerted within half a day of this spill. I, I think that's that qualifies as world class response. Um, and also, we're assured that they're cleaning it up, and we know what that means. It means pixies are conjuring this stuff out of existence. So it's it's all good now. And those those horrible horrible pictures of uh, wildlife covered in in toxic tar. Well, we have Dawn detergent. We clean them up with that. And we know that they all survive. They go on to live healthy, happy lives. So I don't know. We should just get over this. It's a world-class response to an incredibly minor thing. And we are, in fact, conjuring this material out of existence where it will never be a problem again. So everyone just settle down. I, I, I really love the uh, – also, buy some Dawn, I think, also. It's just, let's, let's add that in there. <laughs> well, they, <laughs> they, consumerism, they, consumerism can solve this. They, exactly. And, and to sort of get off the sarcasm for a second, <laughs> although I hate that, um, Dawn has, has, has put out commercials over the years about showing how gentle and lovely their detergent is by showing them cleaning off these animals. And, you know, something I, I looked into years ago, and I've been meaning to look into again, is that the mortality rate of these animals might be 95%. So, so we can clean them up, and we can feel good about buying that done, and we can, we can all say, oh, you know, oil spills aren't so bad, because we can clean this stuff up, whatever that means, people. <laughs> whatever it means to just move this material somewhere else. But in fact, even on that feel-good moment that might make you want to run out and buy some done and feel great about dumping, you know, toxic materials into the planet endlessly... Those animals might not be surviving. They might have a 95% mortality rate. All right. So we'll have to pause there. We're going to go to, to a quick music break here, and we'll get Andrew Gage from the West Coast Environmental Law Association on the phone. Uh, but first, uh, I'm going to remind for you, if you can, uh, this would be a great opportunity uh, because we're going to go to our music break. If you can call in during our new, the new Sound of Your City CIUT Spring Membership Drive, we could really use your support. If you like this sort of independent uh, analysis, uh, amazing guests you don't hear elsewhere, uh, and keeping an eye on what's actually going on with environmental science and policy here in Canada, uh, then now is the time. Call in, support CIUT, become a member, or whatever it is that you can. Uh, you can uh, was very much appreciated, and we need you to call in right now. So 416-946-7800 or toll-free at one 204 8976 You can also go online to CIUT.fm. Aaron, what did we listen to last time because I forgot to go to? <laughs> and then if you would please introduce our, our upcoming music break. Yeah, sure. Uh, the first track we played was by the, I think, Toronto-based guard collective M-A-G-T or Maggot. Uh, the song was Overcast Sky. Uh, and the next one that we're playing is by Sarah Harmer. It's called Basement Apartment. This is Darren Kaster, host of The Green Majority. Green Majority is now so much more than just a radio show. You can learn more about what we're doing and find out how to support us at greenmajority.ca.
All right. And we are back. You're listening to the home stretch here of the Green Majority on CIUT. Uh, hopefully, many of you took an opportunity to call in and be a member. You can be a card-carrying member of CIUT uh, right now. You can go to CIUT.FM or call one 204 But I would like to now introduce our uh, second, uh, or rather technically third and final guest, uh, Andrew Gage from the West Coast Environmental Law Association. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Uh, so we've asked you to, to join us on the phone today uh, to talk a little bit about uh, the, the well the, the starting off point would be your article does RCMP anti environmentalist rhetoric make us safer that was posted on the West Coast Environmental Law uh, website uh, but the article itself was essentially responding or, or commenting on the implications of the RCMP uh, report that was leaked um, what I would like you to actually uh, start off by commenting on was not so so much the implications of the article itself. Uh, but the veracity of the original report, uh, and and it, because it, it it seems from reading your article and and others that the most scary part about this is not even the implications of the report, but the fact that policy would be made on such poor research report. It's it's it seems to be high school level work. If, could you can you comment on the veracity of the report itself? Well, it's it's a it's it is an odd report in the in that it um, uh, it draws an, uh, on a whole range of. Uh, really um, publicly available, often often opinion pieces from columnists or bloggers, um, uh, t- uh, cherry picked from around the the internet and around the, you know the, the, the um, North America to to make sort of the case that um, uh, that the, the environmental movement is really an anti-petroleum, anti-Canadian petroleum movement. That's their phrase, anti-Canadian petroleum movement. Um, and that um, uh, it then sort of links without any real discussion or, or, or a citation of, of sources or anything like that, links this anti-Canadian petroleum movement to violent extremists um, that they sort of suggest are are in some way a you know, threat of lawlessness. So uh, yeah, and I would agree that it, it does seem like fairly shoddy work in the sense that that you know if you're going to to talk about a whole movement and then single out some part you know some some small group of people and say that they're somehow supported by this broader movement, you got to be very careful about making those types of sweeping allegations and be very clear why you're doing that. And it's not something. You know, it's something that generally police and law enforcement are very careful not to do that type of um, stereotyping, um, and, and yet we see that in a fairly big way here. And, and many of the the sources cited are, um, are are you know they're one sided. You know, they, they cite a lot of industry sources. They cite um, uh, you know um, a blogger who's, who's spent you know spent her career trying to discredit the environmental movement in terms of. Um, Sources of funding, uh, Vivian Krauss, and, and they cite, you know, so they cite, they're not citing, you know, sources within the environmental community or people who actually, you know, are directly involved in what they're talking about. They're citing um, their opponents, the opponents of people within the environmental movement, uh, as being some sort of basis for um, uh, for worrying about the the lawfulness of the environmental movement. One of the uh, one of the comments that's sort of been been made as well as that uh, this this sh- sort of shows the 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 true hand uh, of the RCMP and and I and I know a lot of uh, I'm connected to a lot of uh, you know activist groups and and subgroups on on Facebook of dealing with various uh, environmental issues. Uh, do you do you think though that that 
the sort of initial reaction from the the community that appears to be targeted by the note uh, that this you know proves that the RCMP is corrupt. Do do you think that that like how much? I I, I think you would probably agree that that's going a little bit too far. Uh, I do agree it's going too but far. But sort of where yeah. does that where does that line? How damning is this of the RCMP itself as an institution? Well, we we have to keep in mind that this is a a report of a particular unit within the RCMP, and they, they what what this is is they, they established a few years back they established a special unit to essentially work with the oil and gas industry on um, the oil and gas industry's security, and so there is sort of a uh, you know. Uh, I guess a, a, a question about does that make sense to have a particular unit dedicated to a particular industry? Uh, but if you're going to do that, um, then there, there's I think it's not terribly surprising that that unit comes to identify itself um, with the the industry that they're there they're there to protect um, and starts to talk to the security officers in that agency and begin to sort of take on some of the myths and biases of that industry. Um, so so I, I think that that what I'm not saying that there isn't a broader, um, you know, that there isn't some broader views within the ICMP, but but I think that all we can really can take away from this report is that that particular unit um, has has had its objectivity compromised. Uh, they're no longer able to differentiate between the stories that they're. I don't think they would call them clients, but for lack of a better phrase, you know, the, the groups that they're there that they're uh, that they're there to um, defend are 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 telling and, and reality. Mm. Is it and and just for the sake of context for people, like how how normal or abnormal is it that the RCMP would have a special dedicated department to a particular private industry? Is this is this as standard? Do we have like uh, the solar solar RCMP contingent? And the, and the, <laughs> no, the I, I think it is unusual. I'm not an expert on our RCMP internal procedure, but but my understanding is that this is unusual, um, and, and that it's the result of um, having identified the. Um, the oil and gas industry uh, as being part of critical Canada's critical infrastructure. So there's a broader political discussion about what do we value as important. Do we, you know, is is, is our pipelines critical infrastructure, or is the global atmosphere that we all depend on critical infrastructure? Um, you know, the, the current government has focused on on pipelines as being critical uh, infrastructure, and that's one of the reasons that the RCMP is giving this level of attention to um, uh, to the oil and gas industry. Did you? I'm not. I'm uh, not sure if you are, were aware of it, but um, there's a landmark Dutch lawsuit that put governments around the world on notice. Is uh, is an article that uh, um, a fan of the show actually uh, sent in. Are, mm-hmm. you, are you familiar with with that uh, with that case? Not, I, I'm aware that it was filed, uh, and I've seen a little bit of media coverage, but uh, I, I'm, I'm you know haven't familiarized myself as yet with the the details of the legal arguments they're running or anything like that sure well we can maybe we'll go we'll come back to it when we have you back next time then <laughs> uh so instead then i guess my final question for you would be here as uh, as we uh, begin to wrap up the program uh would be can you simply comment on uh from a legal perspective uh here uh what if any could or should the recourse from activists be who i mean essentially maybe this wouldn't be technically apply in a courtroom but uh, at least for the sake of uh, optics wise appear to have been like directly libeled by a government agency um that's that's um that's a good question i mean i think you know simply making your the concerns known to the rcmp and to the government is is quite appropriate um it's uh i i think that the um yeah, and I, and I think that um, in this type of what the RCMP memo risks doing 
is actually sort of alienating a lot of people who we really need to have open communications with. Uh, and so I guess I you know, encourage the, the you know, people in the environmental community not to, um, not to buy into the us versus them um, sort of uh, message that's implicit in the RCMP memo, but to actually you know, make efforts to keep, it, keep communications open. Um, and uh, beyond that, I mean, I'm, uh, I think that, that uh, pressing the RCMP to t- take a look at uh, this memo and, and uh, whether um, you know, whether it really reflects the RCMP position generally, or whether it's um, something that they need to uh, actually uh, address and, and, and move away from this type of inflammatory rhetoric. Um, uh, I think that that's you know a conversation that we all need to suppress the RCMP to have. Well, I want to thank you very much for your time again, uh, Andrew Gage with the West Coast Environmental Law Association. Um, uh, thank you very much for your time for joining us, and, and hopefully we can speak to you again uh, in the future. Okay. Thanks very much for having me. All right. Have a great day. So okay. we're into the uh, the last sort of uh, few minutes here on the Green Majority. I want to uh, just have a quick uh, comment about that. Um, but we are also... Uh, a f- a few members short for our uh, fundraising drive here. It is the spring membership fundraising drive here at CIUT. And uh, we've only got about five or six minutes left. So this would be your chance, folks, if you uh, appreciate the conversation today, if you appreciate hearing from the uh, from Anthony Upward about sustainable business models and West Coast Environmental Law Association and all the other guests that we have on here as a volunteer community radio show, we need you to call in and show your support. You can do that right now at 416-946-7800. You can also call toll-free 1-888-204-8976 or just go online, ciut.fm. You can be a member, get great, uh, you get voting rights at CIUT and all sorts of great community discounts. Uh, to be a, a fully-fledged CIUT member is eighty nine fifty, or any amount that you uh, can would be greatly appreciated. Help us reach our goal. We've got a, uh, about $450 left to make up. We've got about five minutes left in the show. So that's about four members and a couple of people with some loose change in their pocket and we'll be there Easy peasy, no problem. So if you want to go ahead and do that, we would appreciate it. It would help us continue producing high-quality community radio as volunteers again every single week here as we've been doing since 2006. Uh, We've got time for about a final comment each. Uh, Stefan, would you like to chime in on your uh, perspective either on the RCMP issue or or anything else? Closing comments. Sure. Uh, I'm going to go back to the the one other thing that someone sent us on Twitter earlier today uh, and and then also riff off a bit of what Kevin mentioned uh, in regards to they're cleaning it up, don't worry, Uh, (laughs) which is basically – what cleaning it up really means. Uh, there was another, so the, the, on Twitter that I think was sent out, if you check out uh, Green Majority's Twitter page, you'll see it, uh, was a link to a Chevron video that was made of, of, of people, of uh, Vice.com sent it out, basically. It's sort of hinting or claiming that this is proof that Chevron went around looking to find in Ecuador, uh, this is, I guess it was actually at the time it was Texaco, uh, in Ecuador, uh, th- during this whole, you know, I've, I've been harping on this weird case for now, like, I think, like at least three months. Um, but, uh, they basically, ha- they sent their employees around looking for clean patches of uh, to 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 then do their samples to show, like, look, we didn't contaminate anything, we cleaned everything up, and they keep finding oil, and they and they're, and they're have to try again, again and again and again. Uh, which was, I just want to bring up. First of all, check out that article from from Vice and that video from Vice, uh, and also just under like the, when when a company says they're cleaning it up or have cleaned it up. Uh, taking a multi million dollar company's or billion dollar company's word for it. Uh, or or even just trying to hold them accountable is basically impossible. Which uh, there was a great place you could go. I saw this uh, awesome video that talked about reclamation. Where was that? Oh, right, our YouTube channel, uh, Stefan. Yes. 
nicely, <laughs> you know, I, I think not even you saw where I was going with that. I, I didn't. <laughs> there is a video called, uh, why, what was it called? Uh, why, why Reclamation Can't Be Trusted. Why, why reclamation, reclamation Cannot Be Trusted. Uh, you can find that on our YouTube page. Uh, also, um, uh, that item and a couple other items, uh, as almost pretty much every week, uh, we get some uh, social media uh, shout out, some support, and he also behind the scenes sends us information. Uh, so I would like to just thank uh, very much, uh, specifically uh, Alex Knight, Alexander Knight. Uh, if you want to check out his website, I will link it on the website here below. He does a very meticulous job going around and creating sort of profiles for certain issues. Uh, so it's uh, very in-depth. Um, you will never be able to read everything on his website, <laughs> but it's a very good place to go to learn about some of the stuff you may not see elsewhere. Uh, he also does some great camera work and mm. uh, supports us very much. So I would just like to say thank you very much to, to Alex uh, for that. And if you want to check out Alex's website where you can find a lot of that stuff, you can do that. Uh, uh, you'll find that on the show post for today. Uh, so again, into about two minutes left here, literally about two minutes. Uh, if you haven't yet, this would be a great time. Call in and support us, 416-946-7800, or you can call Toll free one triple eight two zero four eight nine seventy six. We had a few people call in. Just a couple more, and we'll be up over the hump. So we need about three more members. You can become a full member for eighty nine fifty. Get all sorts of member uh, member benefits. Uh, including actual voting rights here at CIUT, being actual part of this amazing community. Uh, or just uh, if you got a couple bucks, that would be great too. Anything you can would be amazing and help support independent community radio just like this. So we can actually reach 10 years and more of doing here the green majority as volunteers. Uh, you can do that and everything else at CIUT.FM. But do it now. Final word goes to Kevin. You have about two minutes. Oh, hi, everyone. Uh, yeah, okay, two things. I want to give credit where credit was due. That um, that anti-petroleum activist report from the RCMP wasn't actually leaked. We owe that to Greenpeace uh, under access to information. Uh, we, we, owe, we, we have to thank them for that. They're the ones who ferreted that out. Uh, and if you want to get a good look at how really stunningly incompetent that report was, go to Press Progress and just look for their nine weirdest things about um, that anti-petroleum activist report. And just be prepared to sort of have your jaw on the table, because some of it really is gibberish. Um, and I just want to hark back to how Jordan opened the show, which is how long we've been doing this and how completely, pardon the pun, the climate has changed. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, I just want to, you know, we, this show started in 2006. I've been here since the second episode, off and on. But uh, just to, just to you know, just to sort of put a fine point on what Jordan was saying about how things have changed, it was in 2007 that uh, Stephen Harper said, and I'm getting this almost dead on, uh, climate change is perhaps the greatest threat to the future of humanity facing us today. He was right then. He would be right now, if he were still saying that, as opposed to trying to chill the entire discussion by abusing power, subverting democracy, and co-opting government agencies that are supposed to work for us. So if you really want to get a grip of a sense of how this conversation has changed over those years, just... Think about that quote. And that's a great place to leave it. We're listening. You've been listening to The Green Majority during our spring uh, fundraising drive. Not too late to go to CIUT.FM and support us if you can. Other than that, have a good green week, folks. We'll be back to a regular scheduled show next week. Take care. <laughs>